Hi, I'm Jennifer Carter, and thank you for joining me on a podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators. Today's conversation should be a good one, and I'm sure it's something on your mind. So let's get to it. So thank you for joining us um, today on the podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators. I am speaking with Dolly Rivera. Um, Dolly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're connected to parents, teachers, and administrators? Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing podcast, first of all. But um, I am connected to parents, administrators, and parents because I started a business um, called Dali Talks LLC, uh, where I, I created essentially a um, anti-bullying academy, a diversity and anti-bullying academy, and I call it DABA for short, uh, because after many years of volunteering at schools and being involved and uh, experiencing, seeing and seeing and experiencing bullying, um, I realized that we need more education and we need to take that on at home instead of relying on schools and teachers who are already overwhelmed with work, underpaid, and um, and they need our help. So that's what I do. I educate parents, teachers, and educators on how to teach about bullying and what to teach. Nice. Well, I mean, as a person who's been in, I mean, from at this point, zero through college, I've seen many situations where parents are often just kind of flabbergasted um, on either end because they don't expect their child to be bullied, and then they really don't expect their child to be a bully. So giving folks resources, I think, is really, really helpful. Um, What are we going to talk about today, though? There's a lot of stuff we can talk about. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that and thought, you know what, I'm going to go to the basics. We're going to talk about the unconscious biases and stereotypes that lead to bullying, because I think that a lot of people don't really have that deep thinking about hmm let's let's see what's causing it a lot of a lot of times i hear people say well that kid is being bullied at home but there are other factors and and parents really need to have these conversations with their children no matter how young because uh the younger you start having these conversations the more sense it will make to them over time and while you might not be able to explain a complicated term to them right now, if you just try and try to explain it at their level, these kids are smart. It's all on how you teach them and they'll grasp the concept. So you want to build a really good solid foundation so that they don't end up being the bully and so that they don't end up becoming the victim. Mm. And I, I think I love I love a couple of things that you said. Um, it's that foundation. You know, I've in one of the other podcasts, you know, I had a parent talk about identity and, and building a sense of self. And it starts when they're super little and telling them you're the greatest and you're wonderful. That's not how to do it. You know, putting them in the context of the world and helping them discover the world and helping guide them through the world without, without an affirmation or without, you know, saying that that's the wrong thing. You know, I think just giving them a sense of the world and letting them figure out their relationship with it is really helpful. And I love that you said that that starts when they're really young. Um, You know, 
at Oak Tree, we have kids as young as two and parents will say, you know, my kid's being bullied. And I'm like, not, not really, but um, we do have instances where kids don't understand the dynamics of friendship and how friendship works. And that's really the root of what determines whether or not someone will be a bully or a victim. Yep, definitely. Um, so yeah, one of the things that I always tell uh, parents is to start by using things around them that they enjoy to talk about unconscious biases. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, a child watching TV, and let's say they're watching, I don't know, um, the Smurfs. There's so many elements in the Smurfs that are not, of course, intended, they were not put in there to teach about bullying, but you can definitely grab those elements out of there and say, oh, did you see that? Did you catch that? She's being bullied. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, that mean comment, he's being a little bully, right? Or she's being a little bully. Um, that's not good. What would you do? Or if you can even, you can teach empathy from that too, because, you know, there's a scene where Smurfette feels like she's not part of her community. And uh, you can point out like, how did that make you feel? Mm. Or, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the unconscious biases, uh, you can point out things like, why did you, why did you choose the pink toy over the other toy? Because when you think about society and what we teach children, you realize that before they're even born, we are preparing ourselves to teach them these unconscious biases, starting with gender biases. Mm-hmm. And the gender reveal, you know, it's a pink or a blue color in a cake or in a balloon or whatever. When they come out of the hospital, they're wrapped up in either a pink outfit or a blue outfit and rarely on a, in a white outfit you know, to try to be genderless or whatever. But for the majority of times, you go to, say, Target or wherever to buy your baby clothes, and you're going to see a predominant color on the girls and or the boys' side. So that's how we are conditioned to think because society has taught us those unconscious biases, and then we pass them on to our children. Mm-hmm. So when you point that out, you know, and you tell them, you know, this Iron Man, anybody can play with Iron Man. It doesn't have to be a boy, you know, and do boys like babies? They certainly do. I've seen so many videos on TikTok and Instagram and everywhere where you have little boys, baby boys, welcoming the little sibling. And they're so nurturing and loving and they want to feed them. They want to cook for them. They want to do everything. And uh, most times what we see is, that's allowed up until a certain age and then they get a little bit older and then the parents start saying no 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 it's okay you don't don't play with that kitchen or don't play with that doll here are the cars here's this same thing with the girls you know mm-hmm. you have a little girl that might be a little rambunctious and uh they label her oh she's the tomboy no you know she's not refusing her femininity she doesn't even know what that is Right. She just wants to do what she wants to do. As a matter of fact, I remember one of my early memories as a child was I lived in Nicaragua. And uh, one of the things that kids would do is they would take the rim of a bicycle, uh, the, the wheel, 
and they would take a stick and they would um, push it through the center where the inner tube goes. And then the challenge was, yeah, they would roll it. Like whoever could roll it the longest or the fastest, whatever. And I, I wanted to do that. And I remember my mom and dad saying, oh, no, no, you can't do that. I was like, well, why not? I was like, well, you're a, you're a little girl. You're supposed to stay clean and safe. And you can't go play with the boys. That's just boy stuff. It's rough, you know. So I'm pretty sure people listening to this have experienced or seen something similar mm-hmm. where they've been told either because you're a boy or a girl, you can't do this. So those are the unconscious biases that we believe and we don't. We don't realize it mm-hmm. until it's pointed out by someone. Well, what's really interesting about all that is like, if you even think about from a neurological perspective, and we talked about this really briefly, we are all wired with exactly the same emotions. We get angry, we get happy, we feel sympathy, we feel empathy, we get jealous, um, we get frustrated. So we have this, you know, in in terms of our 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 emotional dashboard we're pulling from the same circuits mm-hmm. but it's really society that tells us how we can use those emotions if you're a girl you use these emotions if you're a boy you use these emotions playing with cars where you're banging them together you know you can be rough and you can be hard or holding a baby, you can be nurturing. And and again, those are attached to emotions, but everybody has those. Exactly. You know? and, yeah. and in equal measure, it's not like girls have more of something than boys. We we definitely have estrogen and testosterone that regulate our brains different, but we are we have those emotions for a reason. And I I would posit that suppressing natural emotions and not giving children the time to actually express them and use them and understand how to manage them is much more harmful than letting a boy wear a dress or letting a girl, you know, dress up like Peter Pan, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and those unconscious biases, those are, those are adult issues. Those are not children issues. Exactly. Yeah. And we pass them on and not realizing, for example, you know, I always, I always do this test with, with parents. Um, and I say, you know, I do two of them actually, cause they're kind of fun. So the first one is, um, to test your unconsciousness. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story. And when I ask you what the question is, let me know. But, um, you have, uh, a father and a son, they're going down a highway and they get into a car wreck. The father dies instantly. So the boy is rushed to the hospital. So as the boy is being rushed into the ER, uh, the surgeon is going to perform surgery. So the surgeon says, oh, my gosh, I cannot operate on this boy. He's my son. So I ask people, how is that surgeon related to the son? And a lot of people can't figure it out. A lot of people tell me, oh, uh, I don't know if the father died. Is that the father's partner, or is that the? I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Maybe a stepdad, or uh, maybe somebody. I they just don't know. And I'm like the 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 surgeon is a mother. <laughs> the kids the mother. have two parents, and only one of them is dead in a car. <laughs> right. right? And, yeah. yeah, and that just proves that when you can't come up with the answer that 
the surgeon is a woman, right? It proves that you have been taught an unconscious way of thinking regarding a profession or what yeah. or gender roles. Mm-hmm. And and you can do that same test with your kids. You can share that story and and see what happens. But you can also throw out words. For example, you can say, "Hey, I'm going to throw out these words, these professions. You tell me what the first image uh, of the person doing the profession is. Is it a man or a woman? So you have a professor. Who do you see? You have a teacher. Who do you see? Uh, an EMT, you know, an ambulance person, uh, a police officer, a lawyer, a judge. And so you start thinking about it, you write down your answers, and you're, you're, you're going to see something interesting. Not only going to see for the most, uh, for most of the population, um, they will see that the professions that are paid more and that are a little rougher, like say police officer, or EMT, usually people respond to them being men and the professions where it's more of a caregiving role or uh, you know not in the front lines usually people say it's a woman so for example when you see when you hear the word judge most people imagine a man in a robe but when you hear the word uh, a a, uh, paralegal they think of a woman right when they think of a surgeon they think of a man when they see a doctor sometimes man or a woman but when you say surgeon or doctor versus a nurse the surgeon and the doctor usually are men and the nurse is usually a woman right so that's not just telling us hey the unconscious biases and what we believe is there uh it's telling us also it's showing us that there's a category there's one is usually paid more than the other and and i'm not showing this to people when I do these exercises. I don't do it to make them feel bad. I do them so that they are aware that they do exist in mm-hmm. all of us. And there's not, it's not to feel guilty or mm-hmm. beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's so that you can correct it and go against it like you should because, you know, just like a, a, a kitchen, a toy kitchen is not just for girls. I mean, men eat too boys eat too right <laughs> love for them to learn how to cook for themselves exactly to understand the dynamics needed to work a stove or you know cook a meal um you know it's it's very interesting because when you and i i i have these conversations with parents also you know especially as an early childhood educator you know, sometimes parents will come in and there's boys in tutus and girls with armor and our dramatic play and parents like kind of, you know, at this point, I've been around long enough that they they understand. So we we don't have a lot of people who are shocked. But, you know, every now and then they'll say, well, why is that child wearing that outfit? And I'm like, I look at it from a limiting perspective your unconscious bias is putting is curtailing that kid's imagination yep your creativity and where they can see if you want the sky to be the limit you can't cover up part of the sky exactly you can only shoot in this direction so you're limiting what kids can see in themselves which if you start to do that then they build a talk about a a, a solid mindset versus an um uh, growth mindset, 
you know, use, they start to say, oh, well, this part of the sky is closed. This part of the sky is closed. This part of this, I can only be. Um, and you really do a disservice to seeing what your child's potential is by, you know, you look at it as just putting on a dress or whatever, but you're really limiting that child and really saying, these are, uh, this is a whole list of stuff you can't do. Exactly. Hey there. If you've gotten this far into the episode, chances are that you really like what you're listening. I'm going to ask you to press pause and share this particular episode with five people that you think would really enjoy listening to it. I'm also going to ask that you subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And now let's get back to the conversation. Yeah. And now let's talk about how that go, how that plays into bullying. So um, I was volunteering um, just last year. I had to, you know, chaperone for a field trip and I had a line of kids. I had like my, you know, 20 kids or so. Two of the kids up front, at the very front were boys. Mm-hmm. And then there was a girl and then the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was time to go into a theater. And I said, hey, boys, time to go in go ahead, start walking. They're at the head of the line. So they're leading the line and they couldn't hear me because they were just talking and, you know, doing other stuff. So after a few attempts of getting, trying to get their attention, I just said to the girl behind them, like, go ahead, you lead the line. So the line starts moving and the boys suddenly notice. And so they ran up in front of the line and they start walking. I'm like, ho, 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 wait, um, you can't be at the front of the line. <laughs> you, I called you. Um, she's now leading the line. And this fourth fourth grader, um, he says to me, he's like, she can't lead. And I said, well, why not? He's like, because she's a girl. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? You really believe that because she's a girl, she could not lead a line to go into a theater? That's such a basic task. Uh, why do you think that? He's like, I don't know. That's just girls don't lead a fourth grader. Mm-hmm. And the boy ran next to him. He's chiming in. He's like, yeah, boys do. So it's real, people. It's real. And, you know, these um, stereotypes, they hear them in music. They watch them on TV. They're in music videos. They're in lyrics. They're in TV shows. They are in the jokes that we hear and the conversations that we have at home. So I'm not saying don't let kids listen to any of this. I'm saying have a conversation about it. You know, so if you hear, I don't know, Jay-Z or Pitbull or J-Lo talk about girls a certain way or men a certain way, have a conversation and make them think, have that critical thinking aspect. Uh, One of the examples that I use is these uh, kid shows. Like, for example, I was a big fan of Good Luck Charlie um, and uh, Blackish. And these kids look very polished all the time. And one of the things that I notice is they always have their hair done. They're always wearing really nice clothes. Uh, sometimes, depending on the show, um, they're always wearing high heels. And, and so I turn to my girls and I'm like, wait a minute, how realistic is this? How many girls or in boys do you see extremely polished every single day at school? How many girls wear heels? How many girls... Um, wear makeup all the time and have their hair done you know how many boys have those abs and those muscles like you know you got to be realistic how many of your aunts and uncles or other siblings look so perfect 
nobody does. Yeah, and nobody has a style team. Right, and exactly. Burritos and hamburgers. Mm-hmm. We don't have abs like that. <laughs> exactly. And and I'm not saying like you, you have to also be cautious on when to have these conversations because I know that you you can be a killer for the year the show. So and I've done that yeah. accidentally to my girls where we're watching a show and we're like, man, that is so unrealistic. And I just go on and on. He's like, mom, there you go again. And they're like, oh, I wish you would have studied something else because my, my master's is in women and gender studies. So, of course, it's like you know what? we're moms. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, let's just embrace that one yeah. unconscious bias <laughs> that we're going right. to be like that and just run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, because <laughs> I have taught them these things and how these stereotypes play into their life and how they're treated because of these stereotypes, um, they have been able to see that. Uh, either they were bullied or somebody else was bullied because of a stereotype that comes from that unconscious belief. You know, it comes deep down. And what I tell people is your unconscious is that deep part of you. That's so deep that you don't realize that that's what you believe until somebody forces it out. And it's kind of painful to realize, Oh man, I believe this. Your subconscious, that's the stuff that you, you know, you know that you believe it because you met somebody who fit that profile and you just decided to go along and generalize everybody based off of that experience you've had. Um, So um, when you, when you notice, you know, like you're a school administrator, you have seen bullying of all sorts. And every time, if you take the time to like analyze what happened is it's always based on a perception, a belief. So Joey called Sarah, fat because he believes that all girls should have super flat stomachs or um a kid was made fun of because he was wearing a uh, a headscarf because they've heard on national tv that people with headscarves are this or that you know uh or they heard a joke that said something about that or um let's use uh immigrants that's one that i experienced a lot um one thing that people kids have even told me is like oh um you don't sound like you're an immigrant no what what do you what What do you mean mean? (laughs) yeah or why do you have an accent um you know you're speaking english and you were you know here since you were a kid to have an accent it's just that unconscious stereotype you know like if you don't actively talk to kids about it they're gonna offend somebody and sometimes they might even do it by accident for example we had a a kid in a wheelchair at one of my kids schools and the kid would always sit on the wheelchair on the sides of the basketball court and I remember walking up to one of the kids and I'm like hey why don't you go ask him if he wants to play and he laughed at me and he said why would he want to play he's in a wheelchair I'm like well you know kids in wheelchairs actually can play sometimes even better than kids with two legs that work just fine And a few days went by, they asked the kid and guess what? The kid on the wheelchair was playing and he felt so included, but it's that unconscious stereotype that people in wheelchairs are not able to partake in some sports or in any sports. But you know, that's actually a really good point as well is when, so let's say that that child in the wheelchair was asked to play and he said, no, you know, are you guys making fun of me? And then the reaction of, you know, those children asking that sincere and earnest question, 
helping them, helping on both sides understand you have these biases, you have these preconceptions, you're going to say the wrong thing sometime, Mm -hmm. you're going to hear the wrong thing sometime, and here's some languaging around when that happens. Because, you know, people are really oftentimes afraid to talk about class or race or gender because they don't want to say the wrong thing. But if we're all used to hearing the wrong thing and not in an offensive way, obviously, you know, when someone's saying something in a pejorative manner, that's different. If someone's asking an earnest question, again, giving tools to facilitate, because like you said, the unconscious bias is everywhere and you're going to make assumptions that you don't really mean to be offensive, but that's, it's unconscious. You don't mean yeah. to do it, you know? Um, and getting both sides comfortable with hearing and and talking through those things. Yeah, and I think that's another a, a really good point that you said. You know, the accidental offense uh, offending. That's another thing that we should address with children to tell them, hey, if you're a little worried about them thinking that you're going to offend them, just tell them, hey, I'm just trying to learn more about you. But mm-hmm. would you like to play, or could you? Can you even play? I, I'm not trying to be mean, but we'd like to have you play with us if you want, you know? Um, And, and, uh, you know, the, the main reason that uh, researchers have found that uh, kids are bullied is due to appearances Mm -hmm. and it's due to appearances based off of, you know, like race or what you wear, the latest fads, your body type. Um, uh, And, and, uh, it happens everywhere, and a lot of people don't realize that the majority of times bullying happens when a lot of people are present. It's not that mythical place where it's just you and the bully. It's usually when people are present, and it comes off sometimes in very subtle ways. It's not always the physical pushing and slapping and punching. Right. Sometimes it's through microaggressions or through backhanded compliments. It's through constant sarcasm or constant uh, social bullying, and which is a whole other conversation that we can have about the four types, the four many other types of bullying, um, which I'll mention. They're physical, social, verbal, and cyber. And it, it usually just because you're experiencing one doesn't mean that you're not experiencing any other type. And there are these signs that teachers and parents um, can be looking out for. But to be uh, quick and, and general about it is usually the mood, the behaviors of children will tell you when something's going on. And there's also, of course, different types of bullies. And, you know, kids don't just learn how to be a bully. A lot of kids are being bullied at home. Uh, a lot of them don't even realize it because it's such a normal life that they come to school and they treat others the way that they've been treated at home you know and it's hard to tell a child who's being bullied like hey try not to take it personal this kid has problems at home it's not really about you it's about them of course it's gonna hurt so it's really hard for them to understand that but it's very important for you to mention that to that child because while they might not understand right there and then the more you repeat it, the more they'll think about it and the more that they will be able to react in a better way. And, and the way that I tell people to react to bullying is 
by not giving in to the reaction that they're looking for. And you know, when you're being insulted and being called names or being shoved around, it's so hard to be that bigger person. It's mm -hmm. so hard. But ultimately, that is the right thing to do. And there's this big argument about, well, you know what, if my kid, you know, gets hit, then I tell them just fight them back. Him back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get that. I get it. But um, I tell people, um, don't fight back, but hold them off. There's a difference. You know, it's like, hey, hold their arms. Try not to, like, punch back. Because, uh, yeah, you have to defend yourself. And, and um, it's a horrible situation to be in that. But I want people listening to understand that the majority of bullying is not usually the punches. Right. It's more subtle and it's very painful. Sometimes it's even more painful than being beat up, physically beat up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, I don't think the parents realize when they tell their children to hit back or to say back that, you know, if then that becomes a volley and that mm -hmm. becomes a fight. So you and just like any other situation where if it becomes something where you just react automatically, you're not thinking. Mm -hmm. So instead of in, encouraging kids to react, encourage kids to think about the situation and process what's happening. Um, we have kids all the time at our center. They hit each other. First off, they don't realize that that motion is something that has aggression behind it or that's not how you express that you're, you're unhappy. We're still working on words. And if a parent says, if someone hits you, hit them back, you're, again, you're limiting them. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking, what's the situation? Why is this happening? Is this something to, you know, be aggressive? Or is this something because someone doesn't have the language skills? If a two-year-old hits a four-year-old and the four-year-old hits back, that four-year-old is going to be in trouble mm -hmm. because they have the language skills to tell the two-year-old, stop hitting me, or I'm an adult that this kid is hitting me. And right. so again, like the more we can encourage, and I think that is the hot, that's for me as the headline of this conversation, the more that we can encourage people to be intentional and thoughtful and engage their brains and their thinking, the less we have these things to think about. Because if you're thinking about the language you're using or how you're asking something or how you're approaching somebody, you have a chance to come up with a better way to, to engage someone that won't be offensive or that won't sound like you're bullying. Um, and unfortunately, most people won't have that. Mm -hmm. um, but if we teach many people to have that, we'll have some upstanders that will, will intervene and help deescalate some situations, I hope. Yeah, I really hope so, too. That's one of the things that I'm always talking about. Like, teach your child confidence so that they are able to stand up for themselves and for others. Because this is not something that's like, oh, it's just for right now. No, this is for future. I mean, we see it nationally uh, right now where people are being upstanders. They're standing up for others by saying, hey, that's wrong. Why are you treating that person? You, you see that in almost every shooting video we have seen. Somebody's always like, you're wrong, man, or that's too rough or whatever. They say that. What are you something. doing? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, 
it, it happens in the workplace. It happens in different forms. And bullying is a word that is used mostly for harassment types being done by children. But if you do the same thing that you're doing that a child does at the workplace, you're going to get fired. Yeah, you will definitely catch a case as the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, so keep that in mind. What you are teaching right now is not just for livelihood of you during your childhood. It's something that you're going to build on because if you start teaching kids, okay, I'm I'm being critical right now. I shouldn't have said that. Like, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I hear that all the time about people like you being like this, and that was wrong. And and if nobody ever corrects you, or if you don't correct yourself, you're gonna be that person yeah. uh, being in charge of employees, and you're going to unconsciously use your decision and your biases to help somebody go up in their career, or keep them there, or fire them. And a lot of people don't like hearing that. They're like, how can you, oh, you're making a big stink out of bullying. No, it's really something that you can build on, right. you know? So I can tell you like a really quick, um, a really quick thing that I, I've, I've, I've had this conversation multiple times as a preschool owner. Um, we will inevitably get an application from a man. And it's always, what are parents going to say? Mm-hmm. Which if you think, why would they say anything? Mm-hmm. Is he capable? Is he, you know, able? Um, and I know that it is common practice in preschools where they don't let men, like, oversee the kids when they're in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I know that that's an uncomfortable truth. Both, you know, some people would say, of course they can't. And some people would say, why can't they? It's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if there's a man... He's not in charge of seeing, um, making sure that kids go to the potty, wash their hands and go out as if men only see sexuality and as if only are capable. And so as a as a person who's hiring, you know, and having conversations with other people who are hired, I think that's why we have so many women in preschool is because just like you said, we have this bias. And we would never say we can't have Jews here. We would never say we can't have Latinos here. Mm-hmm. You know, we would never say that person's too fat, but we can, again, use those biases that we have and say, well, I don't think we're going to hire this person for this yeah. particular job. Yeah. And that, that is a real, I'm positive, you know, suggesting a preschool male preschool teacher going in to change diapers there someone will raise an eyebrow i'm positive i can put five dollars and make a bet you know no actually i i know that's i i've been there for conversations like that years ago when i had little kids i remember checking out daycares and my husband um he was like hey did you notice that there's a guy in there i'm like i'm so surprised because usually guys are not accepted and he said as a teen he worked at a daycare and he experienced that backlash of some moms didn't want him to be around the kids and he was a teen he was like 16 you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's definitely out there and I know that it hasn't gone away yeah 
Well, I, we could talk about this probably until next week. And like you said, there's so many like ancillary things that come up, but I just want to say thank you. I'm always trying to be mindful of our time. I want to say thank you so much for your insights about unconscious bias because it is real and it is pervasive and it's pernicious. There's a, there's a two penny word for you. It gets in and it rots things and it's not a good thing to have um, unconscious bias, but it's, I think people feel like they have hope to be more aware and, and to deal with it better. So thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. And thank you for using that word. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to start using that one. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. Pernicious. Yep. Yeah. Um, Edgar Allan Poe uses pernicious a lot. I'm a big fan. So there you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, and can I say one more thing? Yes. If people are interested in learning more about uh, what I do, what I teach, um, if they can check me out at dalitalks.com, I actually am selling a workbook. It's kind of like a parent and child workbook um, that has easy little activities that you can teach your children. And it includes a reading list that I have personally, I've gone to many libraries. I purchased the books on Amazon. I've read them myself and, um, they're perfect to start encouraging kids to read and learning about bullying and cultural, uh, you know, diversity and things like that, because we want to make sure that children are being taught from the beginning as young as possible. And of course, I know that parents, we always want to do the best for our kids. And like myself, the way that I got into this was actually because my child got bullied when she was five. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect it. And it was then when I realized that I was not as prepared as I thought I would have been. And I thought, well, I was bullied as a kid. I, I know what I would have wanted from my parents. I'm kind of find out there were other obstacles and things that I didn't know with modern schools now that prevent sometimes uh, for solutions to be done right away, especially in big public schools. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, valleytalks.com and also on Instagram. I'm always putting out information and I'd love to... Uh, be able to be of service to more teachers, parents, guardians. Yeah. Excellent. And just so that you know, we always have show notes. And so all of your contact information and links to your website and Instagram will be in our show notes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So that's our conversation for today. I hope you found some information that was interesting or a perspective that you hadn't thought of. If you like what you heard, or even if you have some feedback, put a comment in our comment section. Be sure to like our page and make sure that you subscribe so that you can hear when the next video comes out. Thanks so much again for joining us.